I guess my favorite TV show is Andy Griffith. We watch it every day. <coughs> Excuse me. We watch it because you don't have to worry about what's going to be said. You don't have to worry about what scenes are going to be shown. And it's entertaining. Opie ran into his dad's office one day in the jail with some of his school friends and said, Pa! And Andy says, Calm down, son. Just take a breath. You're going to bust the gasket. And he said, Now tell me what's wrong. He said, Pa, it's old Miss Crump. He said, What's wrong? He says, She's expecting us to learn history. She wants us to remember all these dates, and we just can't do it. He said, You know, son, I had a problem with that when I was younger, too, and history's hard. But he said, I want you to go back and just do the best you can. Well, that got Andy into trouble, and I'm sure you've seen this episode. To make a long story short, Andy decided he was going to try to fix things with old Miss Crump and uh, tell the boys a story. He told them the story of when America was trying to get out from an under-British rule and the story of Paul Revere riding through the streets on his faithful steed. He was going to warn about the British are coming. Told about the Minutemen, and they had to be ready in a minute's notice. And about the shot that was heard around the world. And Opie and his friends were just in awe. They said, Pa, where did you learn that? He says, in your history book. They became excited. They wanted to know more, and they really took on studying and learning the dates and the history that old Miss Crump was teaching. I just wonder sometimes, we as Christians, are we doing justice to our kids? Are we making the Bible dull? Is it just something that we have to read, that we do in church? Or is the Bible full of living stories, true stories? Do we tell them about the axe that floated? Or that God parted the water so that the children of Israel could walk over on dry land to the other side? Or about the donkey that talked? Did they tell, do we tell our kids about Jesus healing a lame man from birth and he's able to walk? Or the blind man who was healed and was able to see? Or as Andy talked about this morning, raising Jarius' daughter from the dead. It's in the book. It's real. It's live. And the kids will take on or personify our attitudes toward what we teach about God's word. Romans 15.4 says the Old Testament was given for our learning. And he says in James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, that we should look at ourselves in the mirror so that we can reflect on God's word and make adjustment. In other words, we need to, we need to reflect on what God's word says against our lives and how we live it. If you have your Bibles, turn to Malachi. Now, Andy had uh, a series on Malachi, Sunday evening series, back uh, a month or two, three months ago. I lose track. But we want to study tonight just from Malachi chapter 1. The 
The children of Israel had problems, but not the same problem Malachi had. All the other prophets had to deal with kind of infidelity. In other words, the children of Israel were worshiping idols. They worshiped Baal. They worshiped other idols. And so God, when he even came down from Mount Sinai and uh, sent Moses down with the tablets and the very first command, he says, you will love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That's not what he said, is it? He said, you will have no other gods before me. That's kind of a different story, isn't it? It's not presented the same way. It was a command. You will do this. You will not have any more gods before me. You know, we find that uh, in Exodus 20, he says, I am the Lord your God, and I'm a jealous God. You see, God created us, and he created us to worship him. He demands our worship. Worship is mentioned in the Bible 191 times and 68 of those in the New Testament. So it's kind of like uh, when, when Paul made the statement in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, he says, If anybody teaches anything to you other than what I've taught, let him be accursed. It was important because, look at verse 9, what did he say? He says, even if an angel from heaven comes down and teaches anything other than what I've taught, let him be accursed. So it's important. So if God mentions worship 191 times in his word, worship is important. If he commanded in the Old Testament that I demand you keep no other gods before me, it must be important. You see, the children of Israel were unfaithful. And they worshipped idols. But that's not what we're going to study tonight. Because you see, in Malachi, he had a different problem. It wasn't that they didn't want to worship. or It wasn't that they didn't worship. It wasn't because they didn't go to worship. They just didn't want to. It was religious indifference. And in some cases, in this particular case, it was just as bad as idolatry. Malachi chapter 1. We're going to talk about four points. We're going to talk about the action of the people, of the children of Israel. We're going to talk about the attitude. We're going to talk about the ignorance. And then we want to talk about the actuality of their worship. But you see, the people, not only did they not want to do it, when they did do it, they did it wrong. They did it their way. They wanted to make it about them. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Malachi. And this will take just uh, a couple of minutes, but let's read this because I think it's important. Starting at verse 6, it says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? 
Offer it to them uh, then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept your favorability, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept uh, your favorability, says the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that there would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and its fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness. And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? Be but cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am the great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So first, let's talk about number one. Let's talk about their attitude. Look at verse 13. And he says, you also say, oh, what a weariness. Their worship had become weary to them. They didn't want to do it. And it was something they dreaded. It was a chore. Uh, Instead of being a joy or a privilege or an honor to worship, they just didn't want to go. They were indifferent to God's word. They had gotten tired of God. You see, it wasn't that they didn't go. It wasn't that they didn't worship. They just didn't want to. You know, that's probably uh, as current of an issue as has ever been presented from God's word. I heard a statistic, was, if it was last night or night before last, on Channel 2 News, talking about uh, religiousness of people. And now the people that believe there is a God is down to 81% from 87% from just three years ago. That's a pretty big, big drop in just three years, isn't it? What have we gotten to? The point that we just don't see any need to worship? We don't see any benefit to worship? Is it a chore? Has it become a burden? You know, and it makes you wonder, why are we here? Are we here because of, well, it's Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we're supposed to be in church. We're here where we're supposed to be. Or are we here because it's an honor to come in the presence of the Lord? I remember David saying, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That's the attitude we should have. But the heart of the issue is, where does God fit in our lives? Is he number one? Is he first and foremost the driving uh, force of our lives? What is our relationship to God? If worship becomes weariness to us, we have a spiritual disconnect with God. If we pray because we have to pray, 
then we need to do some pretty soul, serious soul-searching about our relationship to God. Sometimes I think we give our kids the wrong impression, too. I've been guilty of it. Well, you, you can't stay up late tonight because we have to go to church tomorrow. Or, nope, you can't go to that ball game or you can't go to that movie because we have to go to church. What message are we sending? We get to go to church. We get to assemble. We get to worship. Not just because God demands it, because God deserves it. I think our attitude sometimes uh, is very contagious. If we show dread for worship, if we show a lack of interest or we're bored or we're weary in worship, our kids see that. Our grandkids see that. Even the people next to us see that. And it's effective to them. Second, let's talk about our actions, uh, the children of Israel's actions in worship. Look at verses 7 and 8. He says, you offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. He says that uh, they were offering defiled, polluted bread, defiled food says here that uh, they were offering the sick and the lame. What they would do is uh, they would go out and uh, look, look at verse uh, 13. He says, uh, you also say, what is the weariness? And you sneer at it, says the Lord. And you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. They were going out and they would find maybe uh, somebody else's flock and they would steal a lamb. Or they would find one of their own lambs that was sick. Or had been bitten or mauled by a beast. And they would say, you know, we can't sell that for very much money. Let's take that and give it to the priest and say, offer this to the Lord. Not giving are you first. These are the children of Israel. What was the message Moses said through, from God? To what? Give the best of your flock. You give the unblemished to God. And yet... They were giving the lame, the stolen, and the sick. Verse 8 says, here's the litmus test. Take it out and he says, offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? You see, they were offering something to God that even mankind wouldn't accept. That was how adulterated their worship was. I know today we don't give animal sacrifices and it's just not required of us in the New Testament. But we see we do offer offerings to God. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says, Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So we give prayers of thanksgiving. We have the the fruit of our lips are songs of praise that we offered up, just like we have already this evening. But people in Malachi's day, they worshipped. It was just bad worship. It was wrong worship. 
They didn't want to be there. Today, we can offer vain worship. We can offer wrong worship. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what about, what is worship? You know, first of all, God says, uh, don't have any other gods before me. So in worship, what is worship about? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. That's kind of the uh, thing today. People want to be fulfilled in worship. How many times have you heard somebody leave uh, the church building and say, well, I just didn't get anything out of this today. You see, that's not what it's about. What did you contribute to the worship today? The fruit of the lips. The praise of prayer. You know, when, when, uh, when we sing, um, again, been guilty. We know the words. We can even sing the tune without thinking a thing about what we're doing. We can be thinking 3,000 miles away and be singing. Is that singing with the right spirit and understanding? Are we engaged when the leader of the prayer uh, is leading our minds to God in prayer? Are we even engaged with him? Do we know what he's saying? Do we even know what he's praying for? That's what he's talking about, the, the fruit of our lips. 1 Corinthians fourteen fifteen says we are to pray with the spirit, pray with the understanding. We're to sing with the spirit, sing with the understanding. Sometimes I think we're even confused about what worship is. I've had uh, some people say, well, you know, you can worship besides coming to the worship services. You know, you can worship out and into the world. Well, I can tell you, unless you're doing five things in the world, you're not worshiping. The Bible lays out and says, if you're not singing, if you're not praying, if you're not uh, teaching or preaching, if you're not partaking of the Lord's Supper, and if you're not giving, those are the five acts of worship. Even today, when we had, uh, you know, the announcements, uh, when, when Bobby stood up and made the welcome, that wasn't worship. Worship is the other articles. Now, think about this. All worship is service. But all service is not worship. All service, all worship is service, but all service is not worship. We can serve the Lord in many ways. We can do a lot of things, a lot of good in the church by serving. But God expects us to worship and worship him the way he tells us to worship him. Not the way we want or the way we think that we want. Number three, let's talk about the ignorance of the worship of the children of Israel. Look at verse seven. You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you by saying the table of the Lord is contemptible? And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? You see, they were offering defiled food, bad bread. 
And they said, well, how did we defile you? And he said, with polluted worship, not offering your best to God, and by not obeying God's law. They said, no, we didn't do that. You're wrong. No, he's right there. It says, in what way have we defiled you? We didn't do that. God says, yes, you did. They were the children of God. God's select race. God's chosen. And they were doing what was comfortable to them. They were doing what they wanted to do. Disrespecting God with their vain worship. Offering vain sacrifices. And we need to examine ourselves too about our worship offering. Our giving. And I'm not talking just about the money, the, the contribution, which is part of worship. I'm talking about our investment in worship. Are we singing? doesn't have to be pretty. <laughs> if it was, I wouldn't qualify. Or are we just even thinking about the words we're raising our voices to God about? When we pray, are we praying from the heart? Are we praying honestly and, and earnestly from the heart to God? When we teach from God's word, are we teaching from God's word the truth? When we take the Lord's Supper, are we taking it worthily? Are we recalling the story, the, the sacrifice that Jesus gave by dying on the cross? And when we're giving, are we giving of our first fruits? And finally, number four, let's talk about the actuality of their worship. In verse six, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name? Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? The Lord... Malachi, in this case, the prophet, the preacher, was saying something to the priest that the priest didn't want to hear. You see, sometimes the truth out of God's word, sometimes it's uplifting. Sometimes it tears asunder. But in Acts chapter 20, it was Paul that says, I am free from the blood of all men because I shun not to teach the whole counsel of God. That means we teach it all. The good, the uplifting, and what we consider to be the bad or the condemning. And we have to accept both. We must teach the whole truth of God's word. We need to evaluate ourselves. I'm speaking to me, not necessarily to you. By doing so, we don't, uh, you know, look at our neighbor. We don't look at our spouse. We don't look at our, you know, parents or our kids. It's personal. We have to evaluate ourselves with regard to whether or not our worship, our worship, is true. 
You know, the good thing about reading from God's word, the Bible says it is God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it has a lot of profit. It has a lot of good that goes with it. You know, it's profitable for correction, instruction in righteousness. That we can be made perfected in God's word. Not perfect, but perfected. If we read God's word with the right attitude, we can accept the bad with the good. We can accept the condemning with the saving. And sometimes it, uh, it takes a good scare for us to actually realize that God's doing us a favor. The best example I can give you is the fact that sometimes we say, well, why... Uh, why is there a 15 mile an hour speed limit in a school zone? Well, the first thing you think of, if I go too fast, that's a pretty hefty ticket. I don't want to pay a real high ticket because it's a school zone. But after a while, you get to recognize the fact that you don't want to go fast because you might run over a child. That's the true spirit of the law. And God's law is saving. It saves us from our sins. It corrects the wrong in our lives. And we were looking, as uh, the Hebrew writer says, when we're looking at, or James writer, when we're looking at the reflection in that spiritual mirror, then we can evaluate our lives from the perspective of God. Because he gave it to us to allow us to be better, correct ourselves. And then he said a propitiation for our sins. He sent Jesus, knowing that we're never going to be perfect. We're always going to fail. But because we are God's children, we're obedient to his gospel. We've been baptized for the remission of our sins. And his grace will abound. You see, it's... Is it hard? Yeah, it's somewhat difficult. Reading God's word is not always easy. Studying God's word is even harder. But it's like Opie. Once they got into it, it caught on. And they were happy. And they were telling the teacher some things she never thought they'd learn. Our kids are the same way. We can teach them and they'll be teaching you things that you thought they would never learn. Friends, tonight is the night of reflection. If you're already a child of God, then you have God's grace, but you know, you can fall from that. You can do things that separate you from God. And if that's happened and you need to do something publicly to make a correction for that, then tonight's the night you can do that. But if you've never been baptized, if you've never become a child of God, if you've never been obedient to this gospel, you know, we... uh, Uh, We call it the five steps of conversion. You know, hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Revelation says, then live an obedient life unto salvation. 
that plan God gave us so that we can be obedient and be eligible for the grace God gives to his people. And I think if you look at Malachi, God's grace came to them because Malachi taught them what God found wrong in their lives. We can do that tonight. We pray that if you have a need that you'll come right now.